to Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to read of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. Jesus has been ministering, been teaching, been healing, been preaching for over three years, and He is ready to enter into Jerusalem, uh, the capital of Israel, ready to enter into that great city, uh, the home the home capital of the Lord's people, His people, that He'd come to minister to and to minister to, uh, to their needs and to uh, help them be all that God wanted them to be. He's been ministering for three years and now He is entering into that great city and He's been telling His disciples that the time is at hand. Throughout Jesus' ministry, many times He would tell people, don't say anything yet. Don't do anything yet because the time is not at hand. Well, now the time is at hand. It has arrived and it is here. So listen to what the writer Matthew tells us about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Matthew 21, verse 1 said, When they drew nigh, talking about Jesus and the disciples, when they got close to Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage and to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. He's with his group. He's with his entourage, and they are getting close to Jerusalem, but he sends two on ahead to the city. Verse 2, he said unto them, Go into the village against you. Go in, you're going to find a village. And straightway or right away you shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her. And you will loose them, you will take them, and bring them to me. And if any man say aught to you, if anybody says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And straightway, He will send them. If you want to have the kind of heart that says, the Lord, Lord, if you need it, I'll give it. If you want that to be your heart, say amen. He says, they're going to give it to you. You tell them the Lord needs it, and they will give it. Verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled. There's prophecy here. There's been a divine word from God already about what would Occur. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell you, the daughter of Zion, behold, your king comes unto you. How will your king come? Meek and sitting upon a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went, and they did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put on, on them their clothes. They, they, they laid uh, across that donkey. Uh, something that Jesus could sit on. They laid on them their uh, clothes and they set him thereon. They raised their king up. They lifted him up to put him upon this animal that he would ride in triumph into the city of Jerusalem. They set him up on the donkey. Verse 8, And a very great multitude, a great multitude, we're told, spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches from the trees and strode them in the way. They, they, they line the streets uh, for Jesus. They, they get out. They turn out. They turn out for Jesus Christ. Who are these people? Well, we know they're the twelve. But we also know there are others like Lazarus and uh, his family and many, many others that were attracted to Jesus and that were disciples with him. They were disciples of Jesus, but not in the same way that the twelve were. So apparently the time is at hand, and those who know about Jesus, who've been looking for Jesus, who've been expecting him, they turn out, they uh, show out for Jesus. 
Verse 8. A very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried. And what did they say? Hosanna, a word of praise. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when He was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. He shook things up. You know, whether you like him or not, and I don't, don't tell me after church, I don't need to hear about it. Whether you like him or not, Donald Trump rolls into town, people get shook up, man. They get shook up. Some people love him, some people hate him. Yeah, they get shook up. Well, let me tell you something. How people feel about a president, it's, it's way beyond that, the shaking up that's going in Jerusalem. And people are shook up because they feel all sorts of different feelings about Jesus and so when he enters that city, it's a moment of expectation and things get shook up. Verse 10, I love that. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, oh, the city was moved. And they said, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Where did Jesus go when he entered? It's important when a triumphant king enters into a city that is his, it is significant where he goes first. Where did Jesus go? He went to his house. He went to his father's house. He went where he needed to be. He went, verse 12, Jesus went to the temple of God. And he cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple. He overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. They were there to make money, not to worship. And so he runs them out. And he said unto them, it is written that my house, and it is Jesus' house, he is equating himself there with God himself. You notice that? When Jesus utters these words to everybody listening, he's made it clear this is God's house, and I want you to know that it's my house. He said unto them, it is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now he runs one group out, but another group comes in. What kind of people come to Jesus? And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes, they thought it was their house. Uh, they were squatting on God's property, and they thought it belonged to them, uh, Jesus is, is contesting that. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And they said unto him, Hearest thou, do you hear what these people are saying? And Jesus said unto them, Yeah, I've heard, but have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected Praise. He says, yeah, I hear them, and I know who they're praising, but don't you know that these are the ones who are supposed to praise me because this is my house. It's kind of like if you came to visit my house, and my wife keeps our house clean, and she keeps it looking nice, and she has it uh, decorated good, and it's like when you come into our house, and you see what a great job my wife's done, you're supposed to say, man, this, this looks really great. This is a, this is a nice house. This, this is a clean house. This looks good. Well, uh, that's what you're supposed to say. Now, if you rolled in and you started criticizing everything in my house, uh, I wouldn't be real happy because it's, it's my house and you're disrespecting my wife. Well, this is God's house. 
And this is his son Jesus who has come to do the things that are supposed to be done in that house to heal the sick and to touch the lame and to teach God's word. But instead of praising God, those that know better criticize Jesus. And so what does he do? Those that think they know the word of God so well, he uses it against them. He quotes the scripture and says, oh, don't you know? You guys claim you know everything about the Bible. You claim you're a theologian and a great thinker. Don't you know what God's word has said? And then what did he do? Verse 17, he left them. He leaves the house. He leaves the temple and he went out of the city unto Bethany, into Bethany. That's kind of like a suburb of Jerusalem. You could say it's like uh, Baxter uh, to Cookville or Monterey uh, to Cookville. He leaves and, and it's close by, but he leaves Jerusalem. And he went unto Bethany and he lodged there. It is written that my house shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Surprise parties. Have you ever attended a surprise party before in your life? you ever been to a surprise party? We had one a few weeks ago for the Whitakers. We surprised Troy and Jean and had a surprise uh, party for them. Anniversary party over in the cabin. And they were surprised. Now, when I was a boy, I thought everybody would love surprise parties. If you had a surprise party, I thought, man, that's the coolest thing ever. But as you get older, you discover that some people love surprise parties and other people loathe surprise parties. I mean, have you ever that encountered that woman that can give her husband the look of the devil and say, you better not throw me a party like that? Amen. <laughs> Some people love surprise parties. Some people hate surprise parties. I read about a fella, he couldn't do much right. He, he, he couldn't do much right uh, at his house. Could, couldn't, do, couldn't do much what his wife wanted. And uh, she figured he was a pretty simple fella. And she would tell all her friends, she would say, Bobby can't do anything. Bobby can't do this. Bobby can't do that. I mean, Bobby just, if, it, if, I don't, if I don't just write out for Bobby exactly what he's supposed to do, he can't do it. I send him to the supermarket. He gets lost in the supermarket, can't find anything. He stares into his own cupboard at the house and he'll ask me, honey, where are my chips at? And all I've done is moved them a half inch to the right. He can't see them anymore. Uh, Bobby is a simpleton. Bobby was smarter than his wife thought. And for his wife's 40th anniversary, Bobby got a surprise party together and he handled all the logistics and he got all the shopping done and he got everything taken care of that was needed for that surprise party and he pulled it off. And his wife showed up to their house one night and everybody was there and she walked in the door and they surprised her for her 40th birthday and she could not believe it. But Bobby's wife was not happy at all because Bobby figured that if her husband was not near as dumb as she thought and she could pull, he could pull off this huge party without her knowing it, that woman began to think in her mind, what else is he going around doing that I don't know about? Some people love surprise parties. Others do not like them at all. Surprise visits, sometimes they don't go as planned. Some people love them. Some people love surprise parties. Some people really do hate them. They loathe them and do not like them at all. And they will forever hold it against you if you plan one in their honor. In today's text, we don't have a surprise party because for three years, this visit of Jesus has been building up. 
for three years this expectation that the Messiah, the Savior, would enter in uh, to Jerusalem, that he would claim his kingdom, that he would enter into his temple. It's been building for three years. So it's not a surprise, but nonetheless, we do get two different responses, very different responses in our text when Jesus actually shows up. Some people love surprise parties. Some people hate them. And in our text, we see two groups. Some people that love the coming of Jesus and some people that despise and love his appearance in the city. Look at the first group in verse 8 and 9. Look at what the Bible said. It said, A very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees, and they strawed them in the way. And what did this group do? What did they do? They went before, and they followed after, and they cried, and they said, Hosanna! They praised His coming. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He that comes in the name of the Lord. Look at verse 14. He gets into the temple. There are two groups at the temple. The blind and the lame came to Him. That's one group. And He healed them. Verse 15 calls it wonderful things. Jesus did wonderful things. Things. If you believe today that Jesus still does wonderful things, say amen. Wonderful things. So that's one group of people. One group of people respond to Jesus with Hosanna, with a celebratory shout of praise, of hope, of expectation. And we see that that hope was appropriate. Sometimes we get excited about stuff and it ends up not going the way we thought. Now we get excited and we think something's going to happen. We think this is the way it's going to work out. Maybe it's a relationship you have with another person. And you think this is going to be wonderful. This is going to be great. And then it does not work out the way that you thought. Maybe you go to a school and you think I'm going to make good grades and I'm going to have lots of friends and it's going to be wonderful. And it doesn't work out the way that you thought. Maybe you start a job and you think they're going to love me. I'm a great employee. I'm a wonderful asset to this company. And you quickly find out that they don't appreciate you at all. Sometimes we get our hopes up and our hopes are dashed because things don't go the way we thought they would. But when Jesus enters in, those that have been expecting, those that have been hoping, those that have been in faith had been awaiting His coming, He meets the expectation because He goes into the house and He begins to heal the lame and the sick and the blind. This expectation that they have for Jesus is fulfilled. We find that the Hosannas were right, that they gave Him because He indeed is the Master. Church, I wonder today, how have you come? How have you come into this house today? Yes, you have your hurts, you have your pain just as they did. You have your own disappointments in life, but have you come and brought them? Now God doesn't play games. He doesn't tell you to pretend they don't exist. Because your pain does exist. He doesn't tell you to pretend that everything's hunky-dory because let's face it, everything in life, in fact, many things in life are not hunky-dory. There's a lot of problems and a lot of pain. Jesus did not scold the lame and those who were hurting. He did not scold them for coming to Him. He didn't say you shouldn't have these problems. No, they came and He did what only He could do. He ministered to their pain. So I wonder today, have you come with expectation that Jesus will speak to your heart, that He will minister to your hurts? And have you come even if you're in pain, have you come today ready to praise Jesus? If you're ready to praise Him, say Amen. There's two groups. There's the critical that we'll see in a minute. 
There are those that know better, but there's another group that what they have done is they have come to praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to do something I've never done before. Leslie Templeton, stand up. Stand up, Leslie, and come, come up here real quick. Well, Brother Leslie, to walk up here. I just told him right during the handshake time, I said, Brother Leslie, I'm going to want you to come up. Brother Leslie's been on my heart all week. He's been on my heart all week because I saw on Facebook, I got up one morning this week and I saw on Facebook and his wife, Tanisha, had put on Facebook that he had been in an accident and that it was a very bad accident. And then Mark Apple apparently came up right after this accident happened and Brother Mark was telling me later in the week, he said, man, it looked, it was bad. It looked bad, like kind of wrecked that somebody would die in. And then we kind of text back and forth. And I began to talk to Brother Leslie and it was a bad wreck. He got, his car got T-boned by another vehicle. And he's got a broken rib today, so I'll be careful, all right? I, Cecil said shake people up, and I thought, man, I hope they don't go shaking him. He's got a broken rib. Bad wreck. Mark saw the wreck, so I've got, I've got testimony of this. Leslie tells us Wednesday night, told me, he said, man, they said that if it had been six, six inches, get this right, six, six inches more, he'd be dead, they say. He'd be dead. Can I tell you something today? I was ready to praise today because this father, this husband, this brother in Christ, I knew he wasn't dead today. He hadn't been killed in a tragic accident. I knew today instead of dealing with a grieving wife and a, and a pregnant mother, pregnant mother, his wife is pregnant, they're a child. I knew instead of dealing with that, that I'd be celebrating that the Lord kept him safe. If you are ready to worship Jesus today, say amen. Jesus good, Leslie? Jesus good. Give the Lord praise right now. The Lord is good. See, I, I, got up, I got up this week. I mean, just after Wednesday night, especially, I knew it's going to be a good Sunday. Because a brother that we love and who has a precious wife, and a, man, Aspen's great. My mama loves teaching Aspen in class. And Asher, the little boy, is on the way. And I knew today that instead of dealing with that, I knew today that he would be here and we would praise God together. And so I'm going to tell you, I was ready to shout the Hosannas, but can I tell you today that if that's not your story and you are in deep pain today, can I tell you today that I can't do it, but I believe today that even in the midst of your pain, that if you will give that to God today, He will make that a sweet, sweet song of praise to Him. So whether you are excited today, or whether there's bad news today, let me tell you, Jesus is still the Lord and He is still the King. And there are two groups in this story. There is one that is ready to praise and they are expecting what God's going to do. And there's another group that, well, that's just not how they are. The first group is ready to trust and they are ready to worship and they are ready to believe. But there is a second group. And I know today in our congregation, in our city... In our nation, there are two groups as well. There are those that are ready to worship Jesus and praise Him, and then there are those that are ready to criticize and to find fault, and they know better than God's plan for them. Look at verse 15. Let's look at these folks. All right, look, look at them. Two groups. When the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things, the wonderful things that He did, and when they saw the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And they said unto him, Hearest thou, do you not, do you not hear? Jesus, you deaf? You deaf, Jesus? Do you not hear what these say? The Jewish leaders, they saw the same things that those who praised Jesus saw. 
They saw Jesus uh, performing the same miracle that those who had trusted Jesus saw. They saw the triumphal entry. They heard the messianic praises of the crowd. They witnessed Jesus' authority in cleaning the temple out. Yes, yes, they even saw the divine miracles that he performed on the hurting. But the response of this second group, the response of these leaders is not praise. It is not worship. It is not giving glory to God. The response of these Jewish leaders is hypocritical indignation. And my friends, we have the same group today. We have those who cannot joyously praise Jesus because they are too busy judging. They are too busy criticizing. They are too focused on somebody else in the service today instead of being focused on Jesus. You know the one I struggle with? I struggle with the person that's not in church that I know should be in church. Now, it is appropriate to to worry about and to pray about and to be concerned for the one that's not in church. That is appropriate. But you know what I have to ask the Lord to help me not to do? I have to ask the Lord, help me. Lord, when I show up for church and it's time to worship, help my mind to not be fixated on the one that's not here. Lord, help me be fixated on you because that's what I'm supposed to be doing in worship. So yeah, you can judge. You can criticize. And you can find everything that's not the way you thought it should be, but you better watch out because in the midst of that, you may miss out on what God is doing. Which group? It's just a simple message on Palm Sunday. It's the same thing that these people had to face 2,000 years ago. Which group will you be in? Over and over again, we're told of two groups. There's a Cain and there's an Abel. There's a Jacob and there's an Esau. There's a David and there's a Saul. You move, on, you move forward, right? You keep moving and there are those that trust Jesus and there are the Pharisees who reject Him. Which group, which group will you be counted among today? Two groups. I know who I want to be counted in. I know where I want to stand. And I know where the Holy Spirit leads me towards when I uh, listen to that Spirit, when I obey God's Word. I know where it leads me to. It leads me away from my own judgmental attitude, my own hypocrisies. It leads me away from my sin. And some of you today, your sin has drug you into the wrong group and, and you've willingly gone there and you find yourself today far from God because your sin may be different from these Pharisees, but it's sin nonetheless. Sin is anything that keeps you away from God and God's purposes and God's plans. And some of you today, oh, I'd want to sing the Hosannas, but there's sin in your life. Let me tell you today, Jesus wants you to sing that Hosanna as well. And he said, brother, Sister, all you got to do is say, I recognize I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, that's good enough. I've paid the rest. Which group are you in? Say, I'm a sinner today. I, I can't be in the Hosanna group. Yes, you can. The Bible says to confess your sin and to believe in Jesus and He will touch you and He will heal you of your sin as well. Two groups. I want to be counted among those who worship the King. Zechariah 9.9 predicted this coming predicted this great event. Listen to Zechariah 9.9, this prophecy that was given in the Old Testament. It said this to the people. Listen to what it says. It's both a prophecy and a command. It said, rejoice. Rejoice greatly. Not just a little bit. Not just half-heartedly. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout. 
Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king comes unto you. He is just and he has salvation. Lowly, riding upon a donkey and upon a colt, the fall of a donkey. Rejoice and shout, it says, lift up the hosannas to Jesus because this is your king and he is a just king and he is a king of salvation. So if you are ready to stand with those that worship Jesus, let a hosanna out. Say hosanna to the king today. He says, shout. He says, rejoice. Listen, I can promise you in that soccer game yesterday, I didn't know what those boys were saying because I don't speak Spanish very good, but I can tell you I was yelling at my teammates, don't let them out of your sight. Don't let them get past you. Don't let them make that pass. Man, they had already scored three goals on us in the first quarter. Scored three goals. Three goals. I knew we were about to get slaughtered. By the end of the game, it was a tie, 3-3, three to three when we went home. I, did, I couldn't understand what they were saying to one another, but I knew it wasn't good, so I was telling my team, hey, be ready. And I was shouting. I was shouting on that soccer field, our team. I was prompting them. I was telling them, hey, this is who we are. Now let's play the way we're supposed to play. Listen, sometimes in the Bible, we're to be silent, and we're to be quiet, and we are to listen. One of my favorite services we've had was this Christmas, the, the, the week of Christmas, the Wednesday night service, where we turned the lights off and just had some candles, and you could come from 5 to 8 o'clock whenever you wanted and just come and pray, and we just had the Christmas carols playing, and it was quiet in God's house. And that was a special day for me. And the truth is, sometimes we need to be quiet, and we need to listen, and we need to hear what God has said. But there are other times when we have gathered to worship Jesus and to praise Jesus, that He says, I want you to rejoice and I want you to shout and I want you to let everybody else know that's my King. Two groups. Two groups. One group, judgmental, hypocritical. Can't see their own sin because they're too busy seeing everybody else's. Another group, Apparently all they saw was Jesus. Uh, they know the Jewish leaders don't like Him. And you're going to see what they do in the next week. They know that they oppose Him, but they will not let their mouths stay silent. Uh, they have to use Him to praise Him, to acknowledge Him. And so they rejoiced, and Zechariah 9.9 had told them to do that. Zechariah 9.9 had commanded that when your king comes, you are to praise Him and you are to shout for Him and you are to claim who He is. And they literally, literally as He entered in, they obeyed the command of Zechariah 9, 9. As the donkey entered in, oh, they didn't fully know what they were doing. They didn't understand it all. That wouldn't come until after the resurrection. But my friends, they knew enough. They knew it enough to know this is Jesus and there is none like him. Now, I'll tell you one thing that sticks out to me as Jesus enters, this king that they praise. Maybe you've wondered this, why a donkey? Why in the world? Of all the things that Jesus could come in, why a donkey, right? I mean, my, my boys, uh, we're Dallas Cowboys fans. When they win, they go to school the next day in their Dallas Cowboy jersey, and they do that so everybody will know that's who they belong to. When we lose, they still put that Dallas Cowboy jersey on, and Ethan will wear it to school, and Owen would wear his to preschool or wherever he's going. Why would they put that jersey on? Because that was our team, and they wanted people to know. This donkey lets us know something about Jesus. This donkey, why a donkey? 
Why not a war chariot? Why not a great stallion? Why would Jesus enter in on a donkey? Because a, Now, this is interesting now. He is a king who is entering into his city. None of this is by chance. The prophecies of him entering in on a donkey is not by chance. This is from God. Why a donkey? What, that's not what kings usually enter in. They come in in something much more majestic, something much more powerful. When a king had conquered a city, he would come in in the war chariot or on at least a horse. Why is he coming into Jerusalem and riding a donkey? Because a donkey, unlike the war chariot and unlike a, a, a horse that was made for battle, a donkey was considered an animal of peace. A donkey was considered an animal of peace. And, and a donkey is a humble animal. It's an animal that actually reflects what Jesus is doing. Why did he ride in on a donkey? One reason is because there is a signal here. This king has entered Jerusalem in peace. He has come into Jerusalem to offer them peace. He has come to offer them peace for forgiveness of their sins, for forgiveness of all that Israel has done. He has come to offer them peace that they can turn from the wicked things that they've been doing in the temple. He comes upon a donkey signifying this is a king who has come in peace. My friends, I want you to know that the king is here today through his word and through his spirit. And I want you to know that he has come today to give peace to you. He has come today to give peace to sinners. What type of peace do you need? Some of you have had traumatic events in your personal life this week. Jesus is riding on that donkey to you to bring peace to you. Some of you need peace at your school. There's conflict at your school and it's turmoil and it's just always something going on and you need peace. Jesus has come to give you peace, at least you peace, in the midst of all that negativity in the school that you might go to. Some of you need peace with your children today and God has said to you, yeah, they have a free will and they're doing what they're doing, but I want you to know that I'm going to give you peace even in the midst of all this. Some of you need peace with your spouse. There's great conflict and there's great struggle and, and some of you, have, you don't know what to do. And God says, hey, listen, I just want you to know this. Jesus wants you to know I'm with you through this. Do you need peace from your fears? peace from your addictions, peace as you face a health battle, that you need peace from your sin. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey offering peace to these people. And my friends, today He rides to you and He offers peace as well. One group embraces His peace and they praise Him and they worship Him. Another group does not. Look at verse 17. At the end of Matthew's account, it says, as the down in the mouth, the hypocritical Pharisees attacked Jesus, verse 17 says that He left. He would not stay there. He lodged in the city of Bethany instead. There that word, look at it, and He left them. The Greek verb there is katalepo. That is a strong word. Catalepo literally means abandoned. When he left them, the leaving described there is a he abandoned them. He, because they rejected him, same thing with Pharaoh. You read over and over again in the Exodus account 
that Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. And then you reach a point where it says that God hardened his heart. I think a similar thing is going on here. They have for three years now rejected Jesus's ministry and they have questioned him and they have criticized and they have judged him. And now at his very moment that they should be asking for forgiveness of their sin and praising him at that very moment, they reject him. And the Bible says he left them, Catalepo, he abandoned them. He left Jerusalem for another place. This is a strong leaving. Jesus respects the wishes of the Pharisees. They don't want to rejoice at His coming, so He abandons them, Catalepo. Which group will you be in today? Will you praise Him? Or will you reject Him? Today Jesus comes offering peace. But in the book of Revelation that we've been studying on Sunday nights, we know that He will return again. And if he is ridden in a donkey into Jerusalem offering peace in Revelation, we are told that he will ride a white horse. And when he runs again, when he comes again, it will not be upon the donkey. He will come as the warrior king. He will come as the conquering king. And he will come to wipe out and destroy those who will not worship and who will not praise him. For those who are interested in other things who've been engaged in other pursuits and did not have time for the king. Revelation tells us at the end, when this king returns, it's not on a donkey of peace by which he comes, but it is on a white horse of fury that he rides to judge sin and to bring the wrath of God. Today, he offers you peace. But I would be a liar that if I did not tell you he will return again. And he will return on a horse of war to judge this world and judge the sinful hearts of men. So today is the day for you. Will you obey the command of Zechariah? Will you praise Him? Will you worship Jesus? Or you, will you reject Him? Will you walk away? And my friends, when you reject Jesus like the Pharisees did, this is a horrible thing to consider. You will find that Jesus, Catalepo, Jesus abandons those who do not want to be with Him. He walks away. I'm glad today and I praise Jesus. I praise Him because Leslie is alive. And I praise Him because He is mostly unharmed. I praise Jesus today. I was thinking about this. I, I'm glad to be here today because I praise Jesus today that my brother over here and my brother Matt McLean, my brother Nathaniel, and I praise Him today because once myself, I was addicted to drugs as well. I praise Jesus today because I worshiped today with some brothers that we were addicted as well. But I sit here with four, three other men and myself, and there are others in here as well, that our life used to be given to drugs. Now our lives are given to Jesus. I praise Him today. If you praise Him, say amen. Listen, I praise Jesus today. I will praise Him for giving me a second chance. And I believe today that if you have heard this message, His Spirit offers you another chance today. He offers you a chance to move from the Pharisees and to move in those who shout Hosanna and who rejoice greatly at the coming of Jesus. We're going to have a song of invitation. And I want something upbeat. I want something to praise Him. I want something to acknowledge that this is Jesus, because today is Palm Sunday and the day is the day that we lift His name high. But listen to me, as we sing and as we praise Him and as, he re as we rejoice, this message has a clear warning for us. There were two groups. 
There were those who praised and there were those who rejected. And my friend today, if you've been in your sin running from Jesus, if you've been in your thought life not trusting Jesus, this is an opportunity for you to come and to pray to Him, to come to this one who rides on a donkey of peace, to come to Him today and to acknowledge the peace that He gives you. And as we sing, if you need prayer, listen, I'll pray with you. I'll meet you right here and I will pray with you today as you pray with Jesus. My friend, don't leave this room in the wrong group. If you've walked in today far from Jesus, He has come near to you. He has ridden through His Word to you today. Don't walk. Listen, if there's a struggle in your life and a battle in your life, come today. Come and pray and have other believers pray with you. Don't be too proud to come to Jesus who has come to you. Stand with me this morning. Lord, I pray this morning that You would use this message. And Lord, that we would be the Hosanna people. That we would be the people of praise. Lord, I pray that You would take this song that we're about to sing and Lord, that it would be a song of praise to You and glory and honor and Lord, that You would use it to bless Your name and Your Son Jesus who is our King. Lord, I pray today if there are those, and I know there are, there are those who have heartache and struggle and Lord, those who are battling with sin, those who have faced unexpected crises in their life. Lord, I pray today that they would come and seek prayer and, and, and make the most of this time. Lord, I believe today, just as You have given me a second chance, and You've given others a second chance in this room, Lord, just as You have kept Brother Leslie safe this week, Lord, I believe there are those that You desire to keep safe from the effects of sin. Lord, I pray that they would trust You today. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Cecil, what number?